1: Welcome, welcome to episode number 13. Yes, 13. What an awesome summer it has been, full of baseball and waiting for football. But the wait is over. Football is back this Thursday, and the New York football giants kick off on Sunday, September 9th. But one thing we can always rely on, even if or when our favorite teams suck, is our fantasy football teams and the hope pain, joy, and indigestion they can bring us. We have Michael Bokra here today. Hello. And only Michael Bokra here today. And for the first time, it is just the two of us. Can you believe that?
0: It's pretty hard to believe. We always got a solid crew. Just the two of us.
1: We can make it if we try. I think that's a song. So without further ado, let's bleed blue. Fantasy edition. So, welcome back. Like we said, just Michael Boker here today. Michael Boker, how are you doing today?
0: I'm doing pretty well, Justin. Um, got a big fantasy draft tonight at seven thirty, so uh, looking forward to that. And uh, school tomorrow, which sucks, but I'll get over it.
1: So I can either, I can either sabotage your fantasy draft and just give you terrible advice tonight, and never release this podcast, which that would be really cruel and evil but we're not going to do that this is going to be prep we already did a fantasy draft like last week it was last week right that feels like it was a month ago last sunday feels like it was a month ago last sunday it does i mean it doesn't help that i moved states i moved out of state for for a little while i'm in dc i don't think i let everybody know in the um the Yankee episode. I, I, well, I said that I I announced a couple episodes ago that I was going to be a transplanted Yankee fan until December. And then I'll be back in Jersey and then I'll be in Philly in January, but I'm in DC. So that's why I'm away. And Boker and I are recording in two different locations, which is sad, but Mm. we had a fantasy football draft. Jimmy, if you know, Jimmy, you remember the first giants episode that we did a while back. We are in a troop 143 boy scout, Fantasy football league. I am not a Boy Scout. I'm not an Eagle Scout, but I always like to be. A, I, I consider myself an honorary Eagle Scout. I've been to I've been to quite a few projects, and I've I've put in the work. I deserve it. So, we'll give Michael you Bokra, you'll give me that thank you. Yeah. So Michael Bokra, twelve teams PPR league. hmm Tell me your team. Let's just let's just throw out our teams, and then we can get into some other nitty-gritty stuff and some other conversations about. Sleepers or draft plans or whatever, whatever. All righty. Well,
0: you already know I have the best team. My first pick, I started at number two. So automatically you take Todd Gurley. Going forward, we got Kirk Cousins, Jordan Howard, Adam Thielen, Amari Cooper, Jimmy Graham, Jamal Williams, Baltimore defense, Matt Prater. And Chris Jones, you got to include punters because punters are people too. On the bench, I'm riding with Mark Ingram, Matt Ryan, Tyler Eifert, Alan Hearns, DJ Moore, Michael Gallup, and Adrian Peterson.
1: All right, so that's Boker's team. And everybody, everybody probably thinks that they have the best team in the league. But unlike everybody else, I know, I know I have the best team in the league. I know I do. I had this was the first time that this has ever happened I've this is my three this is probably like my sixth year doing fantasy so not 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 that you know not that long but I've been doing it ever since high school with some high school friends and stuff like that and now I try to do it for money and whatever 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 but um this was the first year ever that I had prepared my notes prepared my notes written everything out who I want different players different rounds different positions to take who to target and everything for like the first half of the draft. Cause after, after the first half of the draft, I really feel like it's kind of like a crap shoot in terms of maybe you just take the best player available, but we're going to get into like late to middle, middle of the round strategies too. Um, but I just feel that I have, I have the best team. I have the best name, 12 team PPR with punters. Weird how I'm not the commissioner. Jimmy's actually the commissioner, but so he, P allows punters in the leagues. It's weird. First ever league that I've played in with punters. Drew Brees at quarterback, backup quarterback, Phillip Rivers. Saquon Barkley. I had the seventh pick in the draft out of 12 teams. I took Saquon. Christian McCaffrey, second running back. Running backs on the bench, Bilal Powell. And then I also have Derek Henry, as a flex right now that may change that may change. I may, I may think about sitting Derrick Henry week one, but he has a pretty favorable matchup against the Miami dolphins. Larry Fitzgerald. I feel you can never go wrong with Larry Fitz. I don't care how old he is. I don't care who's throwing him the football. Larry Fitzgerald is a PPR machine. Doug Baldwin. Seattle has become a pass first offense. Gone are the days of Marshawn Lynch. Gone are the days of the Legion of Boom, that is a pass-first offense, and Doug Baldwin is leading that charge. And Jimmy Graham is gone. Jimmy Graham's on the Packers. So that's one less guy that is competing for targets. Evan Ingram, I kind of reach for Evan Ingram. I drafted him 55th, which is kind of a – it's it's a reach, it's a stretch. But if you want to draft a guy, if you believe in a guy, you got to find a way to get him. Derrick Henry is in my flex. Titans defense, kickers and punters don't matter. Backup tight end, Jordan Reed. And a couple of the receivers, Michael Crabtree, Quincy, and Unois are also on my bench. So that's me. That's me. I was very confident, very confident in guys that I have. And Bokra, I want to ask you. Okay. What was your approach going into round one?
0: My approach going into round one, no matter who was available, go running back with the first pick.
1: What, the way that I kind of like prepare for... Drafts is obviously you look at your your ESPN rankings and all that kind of stuff. But I love to buy magazines like fantasy football magazines because I like I write in them and I annotate them like I like reading for school or whatever. And writing for me is much better than just like looking at a computer screen. I tried doing the whole looking at the computer screen and like getting a Google document going and putting down names that way. I couldn't do it. I needed to resort back to my pen and paper and circling guys, crossing guys out. I needed I needed to do that. That was that's almost like it's not therapy, but I feel more confident when I'm writing those picks down and guys that I want and guys that I'm evaluating. All right, so here's here's like the real question. Here's like the real question. I, and I want to I want to work on this. I want to think about this and I want to put this into plans into the works for next year. The way that the draft picks are picked, right? mm
0: mm-hmm. Mhm
1: out of the hat or randomizer, whatever. That's boring. We have to do something different. So I thought of this elaborate plan. Okay?
0: Okay. Let's hear it. it.
1: So, bowling. That's how you decide the draft picks. But now it's not fair because there are multiple people that are in our fantasy football league that know how to bowl. Boker and myself, Uh, I'm a a middle-to-range, 190s average bowler. Bokra is what did you you average you average like in the one nineties in high school right yeah so Bokra averaged in the one nineties in high school um our another friend Anthony he averages uh, a ton he he's still bowling in high school right now so there's like three or four of us that really know how to bowl but here's the here's the catch handicap people that don't know how to bowl get handicap hmm. people that don't know the people that do know how to bowl they don't get their handicap. Mm -hmm. that's just scratch and then it's a battle to death and that's how we and that's how we decide picks next year
0: that'll be pretty cool
1: do you have any like different ways like in your head that you can think of like how to like how to like fun ways to fun ways to like pick a draft order because i know that's like that's like an evolving thing apparently instead of just like picking it out of a hat
0: yeah it, it gives you something to do and it's fun rather than just writing down names on a piece of paper and doing everything the old-fashioned way with uh, picking a name out of a hat. This, is, uh, this makes it fun. It makes it interesting,
1: and nothing's guaranteed. But think of, think of something. Try to think of something like a way to... I'm actually going gonna, gonna to look this up. I'm going to look this up. I'm going to look this up. I want to see. See what? Fun ways to decide draft order. Boom. Drinking games.
0: Ah, there we go. We drinking a, games. We could do drinking games to uh, decide the draft order. There we go. Whoever could chug the most beers in thirty thirty F- seconds wins.
1: <laughs> flip cup. Flip cup.
0: Yes, flip cup.
1: Oh, we could do like Mario Kart. Oh my god, that would be awesome. Like Mar, like Mario Kart too. That's like you play video games, just play yeah. a bunch. Of, just, just I mean, is there? There's no twelve person. You could have like a tournament, like a like a Mario Kart tournament. Yeah. Um. Punt, pass, and kick. No, that no, no punt, pass, and kick. That's a that's that would be like discrimination against unathletic people, because Boker yeah. and I are the most athletic people in the world. So that's not fair. Have every. <laughs> Do you know what the wonderlick test is?
0: <sighs> you know, if I had to take the biggest guess, you'd put random stuff in a bottle or random stuff just on a plate and blindfold the other person and have them that's what, their tongue out and then that's lick. what you
1: think that's what you think the wonder lick test is yeah you don't know what it is <laughs> no that's not what the wonder lick test is
0: <laughs> well, i could am i far off
1: <laughs> the one yes the oh wonder lick te- the wonder test is what um and like guys at the nfl combine have to take it's like a it's not really like it's like a common sense test that guys at the nfl combine have to take and then that those scores and that evaluation like goes to NFL teams. Oh, my God. So you thought it was like a block. You said stuff about like a blindfold.
0: Yeah. Like random guys choose something <laughs> that the other person has to lick. And no. then if they get it right, they get it right. Whoever gets the most
1: wins. Oh, so it's like that game. It's like that game with the, uh, the, the jelly beans. It's like this one is fish. Is it mm-hmm. fish or is it like chocolate? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and and oh, that's that's gross. And like whoever like gets it, whoever wins that should honestly go last because that means that they're a freak. Right. Like uh, if you get all of the jelly bean flavors right, that means you are a freak and you should go last.
0: <laughs> You're a freak.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But the wonderlick test, like everybody takes the wonderlick test, which is like a common sense IQ test thing. And whoever has the best score, then we do it by score. That's that's also good. Um, everyone gets 100 tokens and goes to Chuck E. Cheese. Is that even a thing? Is Chuck E. Cheese even like a thing anymore?
0: Uh yeah, there's one open by us. But, uh it probably sucks though. Do, we can or go to, the
1: adult or the adult version go to Dave and Busters. Dave and Busters, that's exactly what I was gonna say. So everyone gets like a hundred bucks. Just bring like I mean, that, that that would never work because our friends are so cheap and I hate that. Right? Like, oh no, it's too expensive. Snail race. Oh, we're a rubber duck race. We all go to a river and we put a rubber rubber ducks down in the water. And <laughs> who, and then whoever could cross the finish line first, you that's know who gets the first pick.
0: I just wanna say I probably turn thirty years old by the time that race friggin' ends. Oh, but do you know how intense that would be though? Oh it would be intense. It would be intense and pretty cool, but I feel like it'll take a couple hours just for the friggin' duck to get to the finish line.
1: We would have to like start over like five times because guys would like, they would throw them or they would like push them too much. And then we would have to like restart. Mm-hmm. Yo, sneeze. Jesus. Oh, that was loud. Um, oh, Some of these sneeze on the Yankee podcast too. I, I don't even know if I edit. I, I don't, I hope I didn't edit it out. Um. All right. So that's like, I've, all right, so now I'm saving this page. I'm saving it and I'm sending it to everybody and we're we should just do these things for shits and giggles anyway. Like we should just we should just go to like a lake, a random lake and do rubber duck races just just for fun. It'll work. It could work. I would put down money for my rubber duck to win. No doubt. <laughs> no doubt. All right, so um maybe maybe we'll talk about fantasy football again. How about that?
0: I mean that's a great idea.
1: All right, so you're a big fan of the running backs. How are you heavy heavy running backs? Like no, like no matter what, do you have? Did you have like a set plan going into Sunday night where you were like, for the first three rounds, I'm gonna take all running backs because that's like what's essential in fantasy? Or were you just like, I know I'm gonna take a running back in the first round, and then we'll see what's available from there? What was your approach?
0: So my approach was automatically first pick go running back second pick automatically go running back third pick lean more towards wide receiver and but also look back at the running back to see who's available if you have I don't know for example Jay Jay Johnny is the number one back still left on the board obviously no you're gonna go wide receiver but if you got a good name up there like Kareem Hunt maybe or you know even christian mccaffrey then i'm going running back with the third pick also but my strategy was to go no matter what running back first two picks and then go receiver the next two picks
1: yeah um i i agree there's a there's a big kind of movement in fantasy and now this is just from a lot of stuff that i've read i don't know if this is actually like a true thing but it's called like the running back zero strategy and especially you know you're only really going to basically do this in ppr leagues you know, because the fact that running backs are such like a faded, fading position in the NFL because of how much NFL teams are passing and how you know, just because how much the game of football is changing, that there are just guys who running back zero for the first couple rounds, loading up on the wide receivers, loading up on the PPR guys, loading up on the Beckhams. Um, if you have a top five pick, you know, you draft Antonio Brown, you know, I would say that's that's probably like this year if there was like a year to do it, like a running back zero approach and you had like a top five pick because of all the uncertainty that is surrounding some of these top five guys, like is Le'Veon Bell even going to play this year? I saw some articles today that the Steelers are disappointed and they're like ready to play the season basically without him. I still think that he'll find a way to play for the Steels but I saw that article today. And if I'm Le'Veon Bell owners, I'm shaking in my knees right now. You know, is this guy actually going to play this year? He still hasn't signed his franchise tender. And obviously Todd Gurley's, you know, he's a safe pick with number two, but can he p- actually perform to number two player, you know, scoring player potential? You know, if there was a year to kind of do the running back zero approach, I guess it would have been this year, but I don't know. Running backs are just so, so valuable because once you get out of the first, like literally once you get out of the first two rounds, good luck. Good luck trying to find a running back one or a running back two that you can really rely on week in and week out. And also you got to realize that the depth for running backs is
0: so low that you could pick up a starting top receiver in the later rounds even because there's so much depth at receiver. That it's almost crucial to take a running back with the first and second pick. But one thing that we mentioned with Le'Veon is I could not begin to tell you when I had that number two pick, I kept changing my picks back and forth, back and forth. I thought Gurley was gonna go number one. Turns out Le'Veon went number one. I knew I was not gonna pick Le'Veon because in my opinion, I think he's gonna sit out the first week or two of the season, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna draft a guy like that to just sit, you know? So I went back and forth between Gurley, Zeke, and Johnson. Those were my three. And then when I saw Gurley was up there, I, I took him.
1: Now, I'll tell you what, because I am I am a previous Le'Veon Bell owner who has done quite well with him. And even when he's been suspended for four games, because that's like what Le'Veon Bell does. Le'Veon Bell just misses the first two to four games of every season because of his... uh substance abuse uh issues and his his marijuana issues which usually every year he gets suspended for so i guess this year even though he's not suspended for anything he's going to be following that pattern of maybe missing the first few games i don't know maybe that's just his thing but he still has given top top of the line production from a fantasy standpoint i mean the dude the dude's just he, he's i mean he's the man i mean he's really he really is probably the best running back that we've seen since i mean barry sanders like you know, put LT up there. I think the dude's just more shifty and the dude's better than LT in my opinion, but just has issues, you know, just, you know, just has issues that he needs to control and LT never had those issues. So, Mm -hmm. but we were mentioning, um, Oh, Oh, so we were mentioning about the middle of the line wide receivers and that's, I'm so glad you brought that up because middle of the line wide receivers, especially this year, honestly, I do not feel much different as a fantasy owner running out Larry Fitzgerald and Doug Baldwin. Love those two guys. They think those two guys are going to have top 15 years and top, hopefully top 10 years, just like, you know, Doug, I had Doug Baldwin last year had a top 10 year. I am just fine with running out sleepers. And I mean, this, this guy's really a sleeper. Quincy and Unwa on the jets before he got hurt with the jets. He was receiving 88% of the team snaps. 20% of the team's targets. Those are numbers that you really like to see. And guys like Michael Crabtree, he's a, he's the, he's the number one guy in Baltimore this year. You, you, as a fantasy owner, even though obviously the projections and what you're going to be projected to score on ESPN, that's going to go down. So then you're going to be like, Oh, you know, I feel like my team's not as good. But if you're, if the trade-off is having some really good extra running backs and some really good, and even like tight ends. And this is kind of maybe what I want to transition to if you're ready to, if you're, unless you have anything else to say about running backs and receivers, the value of them. I feel okay with middle-of-the-road receivers like Sterling Shepard, guys that you can get really late in the draft, and you can kind of like reach for them in a way. You can kind of reach for those receivers late in the draft and, and the middle of the rounds, because if there are guys that you feel like you're, you know, you're confident in, especially in a PPR league, why not like go for them? All right, so what I want to do now, I want to pull up tight end rankings.
0: Okay.
1: Because I have I have a theory. I am seeing I'm seeing a trend. Now I'm probably not breaking any news here, but particularly looking at how the Giants. Now I've watched the Giants. I don't watch many other teams. I don't watch as many teams as I used to. Um, but just watching the Giants, and then also this is this is just a basic trend in the NFL as well. Watching the way that Evan Ingram has been used as a tight end, I think you know young guy has the ability, even though he's listed as a tight end, he really was a wide receiver in college, like he barely put his and he's and he's talked about that in different podcasts and different interviews and stuff like that where he says i've I barely put my hand in the ground when i was when I was in college in terms of you know being the traditional tight end who you know is versatile, who can block who can you know, run routes out of, you know, out of the box instead of being a, you know, slot receiver or an X receiver or a y, or a Y receiver kind of guy. I think this is where the position of tight end, this is where it's that type of player, that's where it's headed. A guy that barely puts his hand in the ground is not really asked to block that much. Evan Ingram can line up anywhere on the football field. And I know that's like, I hate, I I honestly hate when I hear that when I'm hearing about, like fantasy evaluations when guys are just like, oh, you he, you can play him anywhere on the field. I feel like everywhere, everybody can be played everywhere on the field. But the fact that Evan Ingram is 6'3", 240, which is honestly kind of small for a tight end, but he's 6'3", 240, and because he's listed as a tight end, you're not going to put a corner on him. You're going to put a safety. You're going to put a linebacker on him, and that's an automatic mismatch. You saw this with Vernon Davis. Vernon Davis was kind of like, I really feel like he was like the first of kind of like this breed, the speed of a wide receiver in a tight end. So I have the top 15 tight end PPR rankings, according to ESPN. And all of these guys are just tremendous, tremendous athletes. I would say in the pretty much in the top 10 outside of the top 10, when you get to guys like Jack Doyle, David and Joku, even though he's, he's a really good athlete as well. George Kittle, Tyler Eifert. Even though Tyler, Tyler Eifert has the potential to line up as a wide receiver too, those guys aren't as athletic and maybe as, you know, ele- elegant to watch, like run with the ball or, or that kind of stuff. Um, so, do you agree with the kind of like that evaluation, Booker, about how like the tight end position is changing in the NFL?
0: I can see where you're coming from with that. Um, Now. Going on to the tight end real quick. When drafting a tight end in fantasy, I'm going to jump on that real quick. There are, in my mind, only 10 tight ends that you could consider taking that are going to be game changers, okay? It's important when you take a tight end to look at the other people who are drafting because if they start taking tight ends early early, early, then I would have to start looking at tight end earlier than I want to just because you can't get a tight end, a good tight end that's going to put you up consistent numbers and score a lot in the later part of the rounds. You just can't. I'm, I'm
1: the same way so, with quarterbacks, actually. I'm the same way with quarterbacks. I haven't exactly thought about it like that, that way with tight ends. I'm the same way with quarterbacks. Yeah, like with
0: quarterbacks – to me, I could I could pick up quarterbacks, you know, in starting at round ten right. or eleven, you right. know. But tight ends, okay. When other people start taking them, like I know in our league, Justin, a, a tight end went as early as uh, I think the third, the second or third round. And I'm like, whoa, like what? What the heck's going on? Yeah, here? yeah. Kelsey,
1: Kelsey, you know? and uh, Kelsey and Gronk are automatically second and third round picks. So those are automatically so. I'm not panicking when I see Gronkowski and Kelsey being taken then because that's kind of like expected. But if Zach Ertz and Greg Olson, like I, like myself, I, like I said, I drafted Evan Ingram 55th. So mm-hmm. the fact that tight ends are kind of going that early. And if that's like a trend that like starts and it continues, then you kind of have to, if you have like a plan, you kind of have to like revert from it because outside of this top 10, it's not a pretty list for tight ends. No. It really isn't.
0: It's not, but you also gotta factor in about the injuries. Gronk is always hurt. Right. Every year he always misses he's always missing a couple games. Jordan Reed is another one. Great tight end when he's on the field. Fantastic tight end when he's on the field. Always, always injured. So you know what? There goes two uh tight ends that could possibly make or break your team. And then you get into, you know, your Zach Ertz, your Travis Kelsey, Delaney Walker, you know players like that. So when they start going, when I start seeing, you know, Zach Ertz, Greg Olson, and even like Evan Ingram go, I'm already starting to look for a tight end because I know I'm not going to get a good tight end. That's going to be consistent in the later rounds.
1: So because of how versatile they've become and how versatile they can be, I've really, and this is something that I think I'm really going to rock with this year I have Evan Ingram as my starting tight end. And right now I, I'm thinking about for week one, um, either flipping him and Jordan Reed. Um, I don't know. Like I said, Derek Henry, the, my tight end and flex spot are very fluid right now. I kind of have a week to think about what I want to do and who I want to start. But Evan Ingram and Jordan Reed. Jordan Reed fell. He fell in our draft on Sunday night. I was amazed. I was amazed. Jordan Reed with the, was available in like the, hundred, in like the hundreds which was bizarre mm-hmm. Jordan Reed. I consider Jordan Reed. I mean, at least talent wise, and I'm saying talent, I'm not saying fantasy production. I don't have all the numbers on top of my head, but I'm saying talent wise. I consider him right up there. I consider him talented than Zach Ertz. I consider him talented, more talented than Greg Olson. Greg Olson at this point in his career, I consider him more talented. I consider him way more talented than Delaney Walker, but I guarantee you just he's ranked 10th. He's ranked 10th below Jimmy Graham, which I don't know how good Jimmy Graham's going to be in Green Bay, since um, Aaron Rodgers has had a revolving guys at tight end. They've they've been running guys out of tight end every single year. They've been different for Aaron Rodgers past few years in Green Bay. I don't know how much he relies on the tight end. It could work out really well, um, but the evolving tight end position basically means is that I feel very comfortable, and part of my approach this year was to get your starting tight end, and then in a PPR league, you're you're not in a standard league where you really want to put a scoring running back or a scoring receiver in there, running out two tight ends, tight end and the tight end in the flex. Just the way that the NFL is going, I think that that might be the best approach for years to come in fantasy because of just how athletic and how scary tight ends can be.
0: I want to touch on Jimmy Graham for a second. Um, I am very, very high on Jimmy Graham this year. I drafted him last year in Seattle when he was in Seattle. He put up decent numbers for me, but I don't think Seattle utilized him as much as Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers is going to utilize him because fe- Jordy Nelson is out. He's gone. So Aaron Rodgers basically only has Devontae Adams and Randall Cobb. To throw to. I think Jimmy Graham is going to be a huge part of that offense, especially when they're in the red zone. You know, he's one of those guys where he could just body up a small defender. He just throw it up to him, and then boom, automatic touchdown. Especially if you put it on the back shoulder, you know, automatic touchdown. So I'm very high on Jimmy Graham. That's why I actually traded for him in
1: our league. I mean, R- Rogers definitely has the potential to do that. I mean, in terms of just locating the ball. in in putting the ball in the right spot and then asking Jimmy Graham to just go get it. I mean, I don't think there's a guy, I mean, maybe besides Gronk, there's not a guy who's a tight end that can do it better in this league. I mean, you you just hope that it's been a few years since we've really seen the vintage Jimmy Graham Mm -hmm. and he's put up and he's put up decent fantasy numbers since then. He's had some injury problems, but last year I think was a, was a positive step in the right direction. But if, you know, they've, Aaron Rodgers can utilize him correctly and if Green Bay's offense can utilize him correctly, even though I feel like the last time they really had a reliable fantasy tight end was Jermichael Finley and even him, he wasn't that reliable. If they can utilize Jimmy Graham, putting him all over the field, putting his hand in the ground, lining him up as a wide receiver utilizing the mismatches that are present. If there's a linebacker on him, if there's a safety on him, if there's a linebacker on him, he's too linebackers too slow to cover him. If there's a safety on him, the safety's too small and not physical enough. So that's why these guys are just mismatch nightmares. And that's why I like having two tight ends running. I'm confident. And if I have two top top blah, if I have two top 10 tight ends on my roster, I'm starting them at tight end and flex every single week. Mm-hmm. So that's an approach. That's one approach. Now, kind of want to read, I found this article on ESPN Fantasy. Matthew Barry, I like reading Matthew Barry. Matthew Barry has a lot of stuff um, where it's not, he's not just giving you like his love-hate, which he's actually doing away with this year. He says there there will be no more love-hate. It's called something else like it's, it's weird I don't even know why he did away with it. Maybe it's just time for a change, but he always gives you like a, a good background. He, he loves he's a very good writer, very good storyteller. I was reading a lot about drafting with the approach and mentality this year, drafting guys who will outperform their average draft their average draft position. So instead of just solely like looking at rankings and drafting based off of rankings and drafting based off of needs, I really want I really wanted to this summer. Take risks on guys, guys like I talked about, Quincy and Unwa. guys like Sterling Shepard. I don't have Sterling Shepard, but I think Sterling Shepard, these guys are going to outperform their average draft position. So Matthew Berry thinks that some of these players are going to really outperform their average draft position, the first being Rex Burkhead. Do you know who Rex Burkhead is, Boker? Yeah, he's running back for New England. Nebraska Cornhusker alum. Now Booker, oh. you've been playing you've been playing fantasy for a few years now. So there are a lot of people who are very kind of like iffy about this or they're confident in this. How do you feel about taking Patriots running backs?
0: To be honest, I am not too sold on taking a Patriot running back just because they split carries between one well, now they're going to split carries between Burkhead and... They Jeremy year. Hill.
1: Jeremy Hill just signed.
0: Jeremy Hill. Hmm. All right. So hold on. I'm not too sold on taking uh, running back four the Patriots just because they're always splitting carries. Like last year was Burkhead. It was Dion Lewis. It was even Gillisley. They split carries between those three. And to me, the Patriots are more of a pass-first team. Um, so I'm not sold on that. And this year it's going to be running the ball. It's going to be Burkhead and it's going to be Jeremy Hill. And like I said, pass-first team with Gronk and Edelman is suspended. So that may, all, that may or may not change the Patriots' game plan of, you know, throwing in a couple more uh, rush plays. But I'm not sold on taking running backs from
1: New England. Now what Rex Burkhead, basically the role that he kind of steps in is Dion Lewis in Tennessee. And I didn't know Dion Lewis was in Tennessee, Um, but he steps, he basically steps into that role and Rex Burkhead. I mean, he's a smaller guy, he's small on the scale, but he's always run hard. He's run hard in college and in PPR leagues. I mean, this guy could really be, could really be an asset because of how much Tom Brady does rely on running backs. Tom Brady makes everybody else and the offense look good. And that's how you know that you have a good quarterback is when your quarterback is able to make, is able to make everybody else look good in your offense. And especially with the Edelman suspension and Danny Mandola is gone. Chris Hogan may have a big year, but Rex Burkhead it's one. It's another one of those guys that I, you know, a lot of people think that he's going to outperform his average draft position. A guy that I kind of looked at, but again, Patriots running backs always scare me because of the running back by committee thing. Mm-hmm. But in the NFL, you kind of just you kind of just can't avoid that. You really can't avoid that. And so I'm, yeah, yeah.
0: Also, Brady has a way of distributing the ball to different players on the field, so that that also scares me. That that to me, why is last year Brandon Cooks didn't have a. a Big year as he was projected to have last year. He had a good year, but just not as big as people projected it to be.
1: Devin Funches of the Panthers. This is a guy that I had written down. Average draft position, 34th wide receiver. He's Cam Newton's number one man this year. I am not sold
0: on Devin Funches because I think DJ Moore is going to be the number one. Really? That's why I traded Devin Funches. I mean, even like... I think Matthew Berry even said he's concerned about Devin Funches. I'm not I'm not that big on him. I mean I drafted him last year when Kelvin Benjamin left, but he didn't he didn't do as good as he was projected to do. And this year I'm a little worried bringing in DJ Moore. I think DJ Moore is going to be the number 1.
1: All right, so here are a couple Players that he calls chicken players. So apparently Jim Harbaugh, you know, the, the coach of Michigan, he told his team not to eat chicken because it's a nervous bird. Whatever mm-hmm. that means. Jim Harbaugh is a psychopath. Can we just can we just put that out there? Yeah,
0: we could put that out there.
1: The dude I like his I like his brother a lot more than John Harbaugh. The dude just you look at him on the sideline, he looks like he's constipated every time you look at him. With those, Especially with those glasses. Oh, dude. All right, so he's a psychopath. Um, so here are 10 chicken players, meaning players that Matthew Berry is nervous about, either due to injury, the offense, or players around them, QB, offense alignment, or something else. They're all talented players, but they're all ranked where they should be, blah, 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 blah. So the first one, Michael Bokra, your starting quarterback, Kirk Cousins, and I agree with him. So here we go. I'm going to I'm gonna read why he said, and I'm going to basically agree with him, and then you can debate why you're maybe a little bit more confident in Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins is traditionally a slow starter. The Vikings do. The Vikings 100% have offensive line issues. They even had offensive line issues last year, even with a very good Case Keenum and a very good Dalvin Cook and a very good Jarek McKinnon. Um, they didn't have
0: Dalvin Cook last year.
1: They, they No, they, did, they didn't. I know they did in the first few weeks, and then that turned into Jarek McKinnon. Mm -hmm. So, And that's the power and the beauty of Pat Shermer and what we're hoping he can do with the Giants. So, offensive line issues and the lack of a need to get into shootouts because of the Vikings' superior defense, it makes Matthew Berry nervous. So, Michael Bokra, disagree with Matthew Berry. Why is Kirk Cousins going to have a good year and be your QB1? Because
0: Kirk Cousins always put up numbers even when he was on the Redskins. And the Redskins, on offense, they have zero talent. So if he was putting up numbers in Washington, okay, what is the concern about him going to a far more advanced team with the Vikings and Adam Thielen, uh, Stefan Diggs, Dalvin Cook, um, Kyle Rudolph? With these players around him, what's the concern about him not putting up numbers.
1: I'll tell you what the concern is. It's the fact that, and Matthew Berry kind of said in his explanation, that the fact that the Washington Redskins would be a, they would be a flat out bad football team and they would get behind in games. So then games would turn into shootouts. They would have a bad defense. So Kirk Cousins arm would be so heavily relied on so that he would throw the ball. He would throw the ball and he would put up numbers that it would be, it would be good fantasy numbers. So even though he does have these weapons around him this year, there's not necessarily going to be the case where he's going to be Asked to throw the ball 30, 35 times a game like he used to in Washington?
0: Not necessarily, but I feel like that defense in Minnesota is going to get a lot of turnovers, a lot of turnovers. And when you get turnovers, and it turns to the offense. And with the offense, I feel especially like down in the red zone, you know, you're know, you going to let Kirk throw it. I mean, he may not throw the ball 30, 35 times a game, but if he's putting up a solid you know, 20, 25 points a game, I'm, I'm taking it.
1: All right, so the second guy, Dalvin Cook and Matthew Berry promises that he's not just picking on the Vikings, but coming off of the torn ACL and again with offensive line issues. Now, again, this, this article is talking about average draft position. So Dalvin Cook is a round one running back right now. Mm-hmm. You know, Guys were taking Dalvin Cook when they could have been taking guys like Odell Beckham Jr. or sure. Kareem Hunt. Or Alvin Kamara, even though Alvin Kamara is usually going a lot earlier than Dalvin Cook, but just some guys on top of my head, even I'm even like Rob Gronkowski, you know, <laughs> guys are being, you know, Dalvin Cook is being taken before guys like that, and you know, Julio Jones, even though I don't really, I don't really think Julio Jones is going to have that that great every year, and his average draft position is a lot higher than it should be, so these things are kind of concerning. I was a guy who drafted Dalvin Cook in the third round last year. And for the first four weeks of the season, I was heavily rewarded. Guy was on pace to be a top 10 running back, and I was about to get a really good steal based off of average draft position. He was going to give me top 10 running back production when I got him in like the 30s or the 40s. Injury, heading into this year, offensive line issues, no Pat Shermer. What do we think? There's a reason I passed on Dalvin Cook
0: when I had the opportunity to. Which is what? Coming off of an injury like the torn ACL, I, I'm not big on drafting players coming off a torn ACL. Um, so that's one factor why I, I passed. Offensive line issues um, didn't really go through my mind at the time, but now that you said it, it does worry me a little bit. But I didn't, I didn't want to take Dalvin Cook when I had the opportunity to. I took, yeah. I took, I was thinking in the future, and I took Mark Ingram instead.
1: The Vikings are a very similar team to the New York football Giants, except their skill, their skill positions. So like the wide receivers, the running backs and the tight ends, they're just not, they're talented. They're just not as talented as what the Giants have, but they're very similar in terms of they have a middle to the line quarterback, good, good running back. They have some depth at running back. They have some depth at wide receiver, good depth at tight end. um, But just the offensive line is just brutal. And they're just going to have to game plan around that. All right, next guy, speaking of bad offensive lines and bad offenses, I will never understand what the obsession is with Lo- with LaShawn McCoy. I will never understand why guys take him so early. No. And Neither why they take well. him at all. Do I. I think to me, he's fallen off the past year. I mean, meant not only to mention that it feels like he's been around for, I mean, he's been around for, he's a veteran now. I mean, he's been around for a long time and he's a great, I mean, he's a great running back, but. The guy, I really don't know what's going on with his off the field stuff. Like, apparently, like what he did, like off the field, whatever criminal stuff he was involved with, it could, he could wind up in jail for like a few months. And I don't know if many people realize that, or I I don't know if I just haven't kept up with that, but I will, I have never understood the obsession with LaShawn McCoy. They, after seeing, I thought that he was honestly going to love Chip Kelly's offense, and he was going to really utilize that, be a pass catcher, and all that kind of stuff. He just hasn't. Well,
0: speaking of Lashawn McCoy, uh, another another one with the NFL with these suspensions and stuff. He's eligible to play in the Bills opener as the police continue the investigation, but he's going to be playing in the first game.
1: Yeah, so I was recently I was recently talking to somebody and I told him I said you know LeSean McCoy could like wind up in jail for a few months right and he's like oh they yeah that's why I'm trying to trade him I'm like okay good luck with that so there now here here are three guys here, Julio Jones whose average draft position is wide receiver two, ahead of Odell Beckham are you kidding me, AJ ahead, Green is he ahead of Hopkins, and ahead of Hopkins yeah oh my god Hopkins his average draft position Julio Jones. A.J. Green, average draft position wide receiver seven, and Alshon Jeffrey, average draft position twenty six. And let's just hey, let's just do it. Let's throw Brandon Cooks in there, whose average draft position is wide receiver twenty one. Julio Jones, Matthew Berry has him as his wide receiver five. Like I get it, yeah, Julio Jones is a top five wide receiver, but the dude doesn't score touchdowns that often. Like you know he had 80, he had 88 yet. receptions he had 88 receptions last year which is solid you know if you're going to be drafting a guy as the basically in the first round or in the second round you would want him to you would you basically are guaranteeing that does, that's over 100 catches last year at 88 receptions 40, 1400 yards so all right and then three touchdowns three odo yeah. beckham junior i'm pretty sure odo beckham junior had three touchdowns before he got injured last year
0: Last year, Julio was actually my
1: number one pick. I'm sorry. That that was bad. That was a yeah. bad, bad pick. Yeah. So I mean, obviously I think Matthew Berry is saying he'll improve. It's logically, it logically makes sense because he has the talent is there. But I mean, six touchdowns or fewer in four of the past five seasons. I mean, I don't really understand the now. This isn't now this isn't I'm being a I'm being a giants homer here. I don't really, I really don't understand the hate towards Odell Beckham Jr., the numbers that he's put up and the talent that he's put up. When people say that Julio Jones, A.J. Green, these guys are better than them, and then you just look on their numbers. A.J. Green, 75 catches last year, eight touchdowns, didn't even get over 1,100 yards. How can you, how can you even say, these guys are top 10 guys, these guys are top five guys, sure, but drafting them as high as you're drafting them, you're insane. You really are. Is Jeff – no, yeah, Jeffrey – Alshon Jeffrey, 57 catches last year, 800 yards, nine touchdowns. The touchdowns are there. In a a standard scoring league, Alshon Jeffrey may be a fine guy. But in a PPR league, I'm sorry. When you can grab – when you can grab one of the Lions receivers, Golden Tate or – Marvin Jones. Marvin Jones. These guys can give you just that middle-of-the-road production. When they can give you the the middle-of-the-road production – With 60 catches, not as many touchdowns, but you're drafting them in the middle, in the middle rounds. So their production that they're giving you is much more. It's just about being smart. It really is just about being smart with your draft picks. So now the next 10, these are unsexy players who have no hype or buzz. And when you draft them, there's not going to be anybody telling you, Ooh, nice pick, nice pick. But they're being undervalued. And they probably will outperform their average draft position. First guy, Phillip rivers. He's my backup quarterback. So I'm happy about that. He's the only QB to throw for 4,200 yards and 28 touchdowns in each of the last two seasons. He has done it all in five straight seasons. And again, this is like what we said about the Vikings. The chargers are a bad football team. I think they probably will have a better year this year. Sure. But they're in shootouts. They're constantly in shootouts. So when a team is in a shootouts, you need guys, to, you need quarterbacks to throw the ball. Yeah. Lamar Miller, mm. average draft position running back twenty three, which I was very surprised. I'm very surprised with that. Lamar Miller, injury prone, granted, but he averaged more than fifteen points a game in the six games Deshaun Watson started last season, and he currently has no real competition back there. Even though Foreman. Even though is not Alfred Blue? Alf, is Alfred Blue still uh still on the Texans? I th- I'm I think so, but
0: they also got Foreman. He was their number one last year. Then he got I think he tore his ACL.
1: Yeah, so I so, I do I do think Lamar Miller actually yeah Alfred Blue is still on the uh Alfred Blue still on the Texans, but he probably I he I don't know he's he was a hard knocks guy from a few years ago, so mm-hmm. he may not even be like competing for. He's probably still running with the twos, but. Lamar Miller does have some guys taking away his carries, but he's another guy where the Houston Texans love to throw Lamar Miller out there for a lot of plays, mm-hmm. and they love to work him. He's their workhorse over there. They line, so
0: they line him up in the slot sometimes too. yeah,
1: yeah. so and, and again, this is another this is another guy that he can line up anywhere and do anything. but average draft position running back 23, I feel like this is the first year where he's not necessarily being overhyped. He has the potential to be a top 20 running back. So there you go. If he's, if he's being drafted as a 23rd running back and he's a top 20 running back, then there you go. He outperformed his draft position. Mm-hmm. Larry Fitzgerald. Oh, I'm surprised. Um, Larry Fitzgerald's being drafted. Our average draft position, wide receiver 23, or, or 13, I'm sorry, 13. Larry Fitzgerald finished as the fourth fourth wide receiver last year in fantasy for PPR. 109 catches. Yeah, now listen to this Julio Jones and A.J. Green. 109 catches, 1,100 yards, and six touchdowns. 109 catches. That's 21 more catches than Julio Jones had last year. He had more yards, and he had three more touchdowns. And that's with God knows who, is thro- who was throwing the ball to Larry Fitzgerald these past few years, <laughs> when especially when Carson, Carson Palmer's hurt. Yeah. so He's Mr. Consistent. Mr. Consistent. He's always there. So um, I think that's pretty much going to wrap it up. This was our first time. Now, I wanted to say this in the beginning of the episode, but Boker and I, I don't think we consider ourselves fantasy gurus. We're just guys who like talking about football. We like just we just like talking. That's really that's really what we like to do. So I know like probably a lot of the fantasy drafts have happened. If not, then they're happening Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday, or maybe even on Friday after the Eagles game, they're going to try to get You're going to try to get your last minute drafts on Friday and Saturday. So if you already drafted your guys and we talked about some of them, great. If we talk bad about them, I'm sorry. Be a better fantasy player. Hopefully we're wrong and hopefully you're right. But so Boca, what a, what's your what's your prediction in this year? What's your prediction? What are you going to do? What are you going to do in this fantasy league this year? In the Troop 143 Fantasy League. I'm hoping to win it all. Like I tell you right now, you're not going to win it all because I have the best team by far. Obviously, nobody can control health. You know, Saquon Barkley goes out there and tears his ACL week one. Knock on wood. I'm knocking on my head. He goes out there, you know, who knows what's going to happen with health. But, hey, that's the beauty of it. That's the beauty, beauty of fantasy football. It's what we play for. It's what we live for. So I think that's going to wrap it up. Do you have any final thoughts, Michael Boker? No, I do
0: <laughs> not. <laughs> but who did, the Cow- who did the Cowboys play this weekend? They play the Carolina Panthers.
1: They they have a Sunday night game or no? They, no, because they have no. a Sunday night game week two against prime, Giants. Prime time. So it, so no no prime time week one.
0: No, it's four thirty.
1: Prime oh, time. Four thirty. Okay. Four
0: thirty prime time game it should be on Fox.
1: Good, so I'll watch him lose.
0: Uh, I don't know. Things to uh, end on. One player we didn't talk about, which I'm very high on, uh, especially in PPR League, is Christian McCaffrey. Draft him.
1: I already did draft him.
0: I know. I'm going to hopefully draft him tonight. I know a lot of guys that own this league are looking looking to get him. So if I have a low draft pick, because in this league tonight, uh, we don't know our draft picks till an hour before. So if the, I, I
1: always I hated that yeah, I, I freaking hated that that was that's not fair.
0: I I kind of was shooting for it. we would know like the day the day before so we could plan a little bit but it's whatever. So if I have a low pick, I am best believe I'm drafting best running back available, and then right after that going after McCaffrey.
1: We're um, doing the we're doing the rubber duck race next year. That's how we're deciding <laughs> the picks.
0: <laughs> I like it. And All right. Another thing, we didn't talk about defense.
1: Sleeper, we don't need to talk about defense. I want to end. Sleeper, I want to end it.
0: Sleeper defense is the Dallas Cowboys defense. Oh my god. You
1: you play defenses as a weekly week week to week basis and who has the best matchup. Stop it.
0: No. No. No 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 no. No. Mm-mm.
1: All right. So, we're ending. Goodbye. Boker, Boker made make me mad to end it. Jesus. All right. So, Go Giants, go Giants, go Giants, go Yankees, go Yankees, go Yankees, go Panthers. because Go Cowboys, go
0: Cowboys, go Cowboys.
1: No, 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 no. So, everyone, keep on bleeding blue. Fantasy edition. It's ending. Now, say goodbye, Boker. Bye.